special edition of Nota Bene. We are live from beautiful Sag Harbor. I am sitting here in my still wet, salt-soaked, salt-soaked swimsuit, joined in person by co-host Nate Freeman, fresh off a drive from upstate New York, I think. Mm-hmm. Quite a nice drive, actually. You know, I made it in just over four hours. Just, just looped down, 87, lift up to Long Island. On all, all on your lonesome, mm-hmm. or uh, what? We what was on the what was on the system pumping out of the Audi sound system? You know what? I was just flipping through the radio. I heard that new Harry Styles song literally five times. Uh, you know, and there's not much going on in I pop mean, music, I guess. Okay, I mean, I just I didn't know if you were listening to competing podcasts. Maybe just listen to our own podcast to get you know to the past episodes just to get in the in the zone for it. I've it's been, been a minute podcasts. since we've been in physical space I, together. I know, I know. I I psych myself up with just the driving itself, just thinking about being here in Sag Harbor. Okay, okay, I like from it. the moment that I kicked off the drive from beautiful Kingston, New York. Um, do you agree with friend and former uh a past guest co-host James Cardoso Michael Schaefer's take that the album is absolute trash? The Beyonce album. I don't know if it's trash, but I can tell you this: I did not hear any Beyonce on the radio. This shit is not hitting. Oh, interesting. They are not spinning it. And you weren't listening to the oldies stations. You were on the you were on no, the Z one hundred or whatever. Just whatever pop station was in the area, and yeah, no Beyonce. A lot of Harry Styles. A lot of Harry okay. Styles. Okay, because you know he 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 threatened to basically unfriend. I think in person and on the <laughs> internet, anyone who took an alternate take, which I thought was a bit of a a heavy-handed uh, position. I haven't listened to the Beyonce album. I've been a little busy with uh, New Baby. New Babies. My my dog also just gave birth last night to 10 beautiful puppies, I think at least 10. It's a uh, very fertile, fertile household over at the Charlesworth Freeman Estate. There's a lot going on. It's really a beautiful thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love it. It's it's like springtime, but in August. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, it's, it's just a really, really... You know, my, Fun my, my right kids now. who you just interacted with, Harmon and Rosie, are pretty keen to hopefully um, welcome one of those little pups into the into the, the Burns Gotzel household. I believe you claimed the green tagged one. I believe so, yeah. Kale. Yeah. Kale, Kale, I think, is yeah. uh, you know we're I, workshopping that, but I, I, I think I had called that one relish, but but I Ooh, was going a, I was going more condiment and I, I named one with the yellow tag mayo. Which oh, I, so is, I was banana on the yellow tag. Um, oh, nice. But relish, wow, you, that's because you're a man of letters, really, that you had that kind of that, that kind of thought. A man of condiments, really. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now in summertime. But I just want to say how how excited I am to be here back in person. Nota Bene live again. We've had just, you know, a nice little run of, of you know, remote pods. Um going this is our first time together since what, May? June? Yeah, since yeah, May. May. I think yeah. we did. Did we do one just after I got back from I, I guess, from Europa? Mm-hmm. That's right. So since June, it feels better, and also it's nice that you're not um, you're not broadcasting on some headphones and a mic that you got at the bodega. So I think the sound quality should be marginally better. I think those were sent to me by some what we got in publicist or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, KP. <laughs> <laughs> uh what else what else uh, yeah i'm excited to have you here i'm excited to do this in person i'm excited to be in sac Harbor. you know we've been you know our schedule's been a little erratic mm-hmm. you had a baby mm-hmm. i'm on summer holiday <laughs> <laughs> holiday remember those yeah 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 i mean kind of ish you know i'm seeing all you know all the people that i've mentioned out here constantly so it's a worky holiday but mm, it's not, nice not to, so it's not so transactional shall it's we nice say. to dip my toe into your milieu benjamin we're because... so happy to have you you know just before we get before we get into it i want to talk i had a because you were driving, I had 
an insane driving story on the way to the beach just mere like Tell an me hour about ago. Because I just went so four go, hours with no incidents. So. so I'm you know, I'm I'm very rarely have any incidents. I enjoy driving, I enjoy driving well. I'm going down Noyak. It's a it's it's a, a speed limit of I think twenty miles per hour. They it keep is. It pretty, I just went down it. It's yeah, and I, I was like keeping it around that and there's this like this panel truck is just riding my ass. Mm. Which of course makes me decide to uh, not speed up but go exactly twenty miles an hour. Love it. I love uh, that which approach. I do. I mean it was really aggressively close. I was like, this is not safe. Mind you, I do have my children in the backseat of the car mm-hmm. and the wife. I'm like, this is annoying. I speed up at one point to, and he just keeps riding me. I'm like, that's so annoying. We get to a straightaway. He tries to, he crosses this this white panel truck, crosses the double yellow line and comes to pass me. Now, of course, you know me, Nate. Mm-hmm. Now, could I, have, could I have just like waved to him and, and given him a big smile as he went past? I could have done that. Would you that have been that. maybe a really healthy choice? Certainly a, a safer choice. No, I, I mashed down the accelerator. Thank God that I have that turbo injection zip forward he now has cars coming at him in his lane he has to swerve back behind me guess what after guess what happened after that nate what happened he fucking backed the fuck up that's good he backed the fuck up that's just you know really just a great lesson in how to drive i think you know you just i was safe i was never in any danger uh, nor were the children i don't think um and uh but, but he certainly got put in place Anyway, it annoyed me. It didn't feel like very summer Saturday vibes to me. I mean, God bless him. He was probably working all day trying to get back to his family. Or maybe, as my son said, maybe he really has to poop. Maybe. <laughs> that might excuse all the behavior right yeah, there. Yeah, right there. You know? Uh, that, you know, that was a zen slap to me of being like, <laughs> you really got to understand what the other person is going through. Anyway, into the world of the arts, you are out here, obviously. Why the fuck are you out here? Uh, well, what? to record a podcast with you and Great also reason. our esteemed guests who are having on, uh, Mark Limcher, president of Pace, one of the world's biggest galleries, which is quite exciting for the podcast. One of the big four for sure, mm-hmm. I'm told. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to, to dip my toe into the out east scene. This is definitely my only time coming out here this summer with everything that's going on. So I'm going to zip through some of the galleries in East Hampton, uh, you know, past friend of the pod and guest david lewis has a show that i want to see show, great show um michael verner gallery has a show up uh that i want to see pace as as we mentioned has a kiki smith show uh what else is there anything else that i i, I need to stop by uh there's some nice things up in sotheby's mm-hmm. um and i'm trying to think of what's at ross and kramer there's some things mm-hmm. nothing groundbreaking uh you know i'm of the opinion that maybe these seasonal galleries as a whole are becoming less essential mm-hmm. um in places like like uh like uh, the eastern end of Long Island. At least uh, it's more relevant than, than say, Aspen. Yeah, yeah, as a gallery. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, certainly more more relevant than Aspen. Although we missed, uh, there was a big night, a big there weekend. Was. There was lots of hiking, mm-hmm. lots of hiking I saw going a, on. In a Aspen. lot of, of of hiking shots. People were very proud of of the very minimal peaks that they scaled. Well, you know. no, no. A ute is no minimal peak. A ute is like an almost vertical climb up the side of Aspen Mountain. It is fucking hard. The uh, lady, the lady, hike. the ladies that do that hike and they do it every day, they do not fuck around. Okay, okay. If you do that hike every day, that's something. No, okay. and they time themselves. It's mm-hmm. like, listen, I used to, I, I used to scope with a friend of the pod, Meredith Darrow, mm-hmm. uh, each morning, and she would always best me. I would be huffing and puffing behind. Fair enough, fair enough. But really, if you did not go on a hike with Alex Israel, did you go to Aspen for our crush? (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, if you didn't get the selfie at the summit, it didn't even count.
But you know, not all the uh, so they had a it's it's the annual Art Crush Weekend, which is a uh, benefit for the Aspen Art Museum. Um, there's always like a wine thing. I think I think they still do that at Amy and John Phelan's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, wine Crush, and and a couple nights before they have a very cool house there with like a Wally Beshti floor, lots of great art. Uh, and then last night was the big auction and benefit. There's a big silent auction, a big mm-hmm. gala dinner, and then a live auction. You know, one of the star lots this year was Joel Messler's, and he has this amazing mountain painting, obvious friend of the pod and past guest. But, you know, Joel, is, listen, if you're flying commercial into Aspen in the summer, it's a tricky, tricky proposition. It is. I mean, I know you wouldn't know about flying commercial into Aspen. No, I've done it. I've done it. Do- oh, you have done it. I'll never it's- do it again, but I've right. done it. Mm-hmm. Um, for... Yeah, for everyone else listening, the harrowing experience of flying commercial into Aspen is, you know. Well, it's not so much that, so the, the issue with flying commercial is you have to connect. The, the runway is so short that none of the jets that would come from the East Coast can fly directly. Mm-hmm. You can get in there, LA, in, in a mid-sized commercial plane. Uh, but from, from New York, you have to connect usually out of either Chicago that's right. Or Denver, mm. and with the thunder, uh, the thunder uh, storms happening in and around those two airports, uh, as well as Aspen itself, like everything's gonna cancel. So Joel Messler uh, got stuck on the tarmac. I don't think he even got out of New York City. I think no, he was just I don't think there. so. Uh, he did send some very humorous uh, pictures on his Instagram where he photoshopped himself next to. Friends of the Pod, Alex Israel, and Sophie Cohen, and whatnot, which yeah, I found also, very amusing. It was, it, was very, it was maybe one of the best Instagram posts that I've seen in years, It's <laughs> Almost worth Joel not going to Aspen just yeah, to if, get if, that if you're on a friend of the If you're a friend of the pod and, and someone who enjoys the podcast, you would have liked that post and gotten the 360 humor of it. Um, yeah, so he was not there. I don't even know what things got sold for, but it happened. We weren't there. We weren't there. You I'm know, an ocean guy, not a mountain guy. I tried to be a mountain guy. I like it there. It's beautiful. But I'm you know not... what? I mean, I've been going to Colorado my whole life. I love that state and the mountains in general. But it's very nice to be here by the beach. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, listen, it, it's it's ritzy out here, and it's uh, full of stars and the movers and shakers of the universe. But Aspen's on a different thing. And honestly, if you're not like a, a hundred millionaire to a billionaire, mm. there's not a lot for you to do there. No, there really isn't. Like, you can't really get a sandwich for less than 30 bucks. No, no, and you can't rent a house or, or a hotel. Oh God, room. no! Oh no, no, no! They, they, they make sure that can't happen, you know. Um, but I'm looking forward to to hearing directly from people how the event was. Um, speaking of friend of the pod, Meredith, last night she hosted a really nice cocktail party oh, at, the, at the Medu Conservancy. Uh, her and her husband Alex Lieberman. Uh, this one to host people that that had kindly hosted them over the summer. Uh, lots of art heads. It wasn't all art, but there was lots of art heads there. A lot of people that 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 you know and you you'll you'll, you'll recognize their names. So probably we had uh, Alex and Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, we Alex Logsdale, obviously. Uh, Rashid and Sherry were there uh, in fine form. We had um, Thal uh, from mm-hmm. also from the Listen Gallery uh, was there. Uh, who else? Oh, Matt Bangser, Matt and Abby Bangser. And the reason that Meredith right. was having the party there is because Abby had done her nomadic design themed fair uh, in June there at the Meadow Conservancy. Right. Uh, and she dropped a little nugget to me. She's about to announce where the next iteration of that fair. Where is it going to be? Uh, with the name, um, the name of that fair is escaping me, which I feel bad about, but it's so awesome. It's always in these great, amazing architectural houses mm-hmm. or spaces, um, and it mixes design and art and really partners with galleries in a very interesting way. Um, and anyway, so it's going to be in the great state of New Jersey and a very, very special house. And her creative partner is this go-around who she's doing with. I can't drop their names. I think it's going... Uh, it's being released uh, next week officially, but it's some of the hottest fashion and design folks uh, that may or may not be a romantic married couple in downtown Manhattan. 
I wonder who that could be. I wonder who it could be. I wonder who it could be. Say it? Whatever. Yeah, if they know, they know. If they don't, they don't have any business knowing. <laughs> well, uh, I I think that that they've collaborated uh, with Abby before, if I recall, and it's exciting to see them fully brought in as partners. Yeah, I think great. it's gonna be very cool. It's gonna be opening to VIPs the Thursday after Labor Day uh, over there in New Jersey. And it's close New Jersey. It's commuter New Jersey, whatever that means. Um, I think we'll have to we'll have to load up the Audis and head on out for that, right? I think we're gonna have to. Yeah, we got you know we have the Audis, yeah. so we might as well just load yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, get the sound system if you want to ride. Um, DM me, and I probably won't <laughs> yeah, get back to you. That chance. <laughs> um, uh, who else was there? I'm trying to think, but it was, it was great to, to link with Matt and them, and a lot of them are are tonight going. I should also mention I bumped into so there's always an art exhibit in kind of the what's called the old studio vis, uh, building of the Mado Conservancy, which is like these beautiful outdoor gardens and a nonprofit. And an old friend of mine, Robert Harms, had some pictures up. Who's an old uh, Hamptons painter? It was great to see him and great to see his pictures up in real life. So if you're out here enjoying all the wonders that summer has to offer on the eastern end of Long Island, go check that out. I think you're going to see some of those folks tonight as well, Nate. Yeah, uh, I'm going to the Ballroom Marfa Summer Party, their big annual Hamptons fundraiser for, obviously, the uh, esteemed art space in Marfa, Texas uh, that, that you and I both know quite well. I was just there in January. I've never been there. You've never been there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know well at all. Um, I believe we did a podcast when I was on the road to Marfa that had to cut out because true my story was true not story but that was really great yeah. <laughs> but uh i i'm a huge fan of, of 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 marfa in general uh and i'm excited to see some of those you know texas desert folks out here in bridgehampton it's at the home it's gonna be a Virginia fancy Lieberman, night right the co-founder of bar Marfa. i think it's gonna be very fancy uh our favorite fancy tequila is going to be served i think you know what that is Casa Dragones. Dragones. Oh, wow. I know. So any party with some Casa Dragones can't suck. Uh, but I think this is going to be way better than not sucking. I I believe it was billed as uh, cocktails, Mm -hmm. dinner, Mm -hmm. and dancing. And dancing. I think that there's going to be some sort of special dance thing afterward. We're going to find out. It's going to be really, really exciting and really fun. I'm medium bummed, I would say, that I can't attend. Unfortunately, I have pre-standing pre, pre, pre standing I'm, I'm pretty bummed family plans. I'm kinda, I'm, as you talk about it, I'm getting a little bit more bummed. You know, I try, as much as I like to socialize out here, I like to keep it smaller and mm-hmm. tighter. Yeah, um, this is this is going to be a big to do, I believe. I mean, I'm yeah, you definitely going to do all the fancy people are going to be there. I think it'll be a, a really good time. You know, it's certainly going to be a better time than we've already talked about it, but the 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 eminently cursed watermill benefit that in Instagram looked just as bad as I spoke about it being on the last pod. <laughs> And in the in one of the local newspapers here, uh, in the party pictures, it was featured. In the first three photos, it was just it was just photos, and the only caption it wasn't who was in it, it was just performance art, <laughs> performance art, performance <laughs> art. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what they're paying the caption writers at, at the local paper. Which paper is this? It was in the Sag Harbor paper. Mm. Um, I don't have it in front of me. So maybe it's the Sag Harbor Express. I would call it that for my paper. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, they have the a- old anchor, maybe. <laughs> They have a great feature on on the Stephen Talk House where I used to go when I was blackout drunk in my early twenties. So that was many many people have spent their blackout drunk <laughs> yeah. early twenties there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so kudos to to them for that. There was another thing in the local paper that that took me by by surprise. What that was that? What was that? It was a I don't know how you can publish this. I guess it's 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 public information, but it was the a list of the top ten water users in Southampton Town and East Hampton Town. Well, you know, I think part of this is because they're experiencing a water shortage this right. summer. 
so here and they're asking people to consent. So this is, I believe, a form of public shaming of the top 10. And these people are using a lot of water. We're talking about <laughs> 16,000. I'm not sure if this is daily, monthly. I have no idea what the metric is. I did, it doesn't I say. didn't read the article, but I read the infographic. But like 16,000 gallons. 16 million. Million no, gallons. <laughs> That's a lot of moisture, man. Yeah. Our boy Jonathan Tish is using 7.1 million gallons over the course of, I don't know, probably wow. some, a year, maybe. It doesn't Let's say. hope it's a year. Let's hope it's a year. Our boy Mark Zitman, 5.7 mil. He's a collector. Luis, mm-hmm. Bl- is, is that the Luis uh, B. Uh, oh, yes. That is, that, I, he, that is Luis Bluin, the ex wife of Simone de How Piri. can she afford all that water? Isn't she bankrupt? I think she's been bankrupt since day one, but but that might be de- for tax reasons. That penny saver saver hustle. Yeah, she's using five point seven mil gallons. This is a, this is a lot of gallons. Yeah, well, and but you know East Hampton, which I consider much more tasteful than Southampton in general, mm-hmm. uh, in all facets. Also, even their their water guzzlers, if you will, are much more um, demure. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, uh, Bobby Taubman is only using like a little bit less, more than four million gallons. Nothing. This is nothing. 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 Who else do we recognize in here? Uh, I, oh, Howard Marks. He's a collector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Howard he's Marks. number two in East Hampton with uh, just, an, just behind uh, Mr. Taubman with uh, with uh, four million and sixty three thousand gallons. We've had a long running bit about how the 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 crime blotter in the East Hamptons in the Hamptons papers is, is the best part, but this might be my new favorite part of the Hamptons. Well, this paper. is an environmental crime, right? It's. <laughs> it's not a crime. Let's make that clear. Uh, it's not a crime. These are not. People committing crimes, crimes, crimes against, against Gaia, against Mother Earth. I would say, <laughs> okay, not not in the court of law, but yes, against Agua. Yeah, public shaming. It's disgusting, and I'm here for it. Bring back the stockades, <laughs> says the guy who hasn't flown commercial to Aspen since when? But in five or six years, yeah, <laughs> we can play that one either. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what does the rest of the summer have in store out here in Sag Harbor? I'm gonna miss it. I'm going to miss everything out here in the Hamptons. Ooh, it, I mean, you're looking at it. There's a lot of tennis going on. Oh, oh. tell me about the tennis action happening. Uh, I've been playing with everyone. I don't want to blow it up. Uh, I, I played with Bill Powers this past week. Mm-hmm. I got an ace in on him. You got yeah, an ace in yeah, on Bill. I, I aced Bill Powers. I know Bill. Uh, he then took me in straight sets, but I aced him. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, he had this funky old man tennis. Like mm-hmm. He's used to playing with Larry. Like There's all these little drop shots and spinny things. Okay. Those can be like a little tricky. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, I, I never want to blow up anyone else. I did play with Alex Logsdale; had a mm-hmm. nice, nice bit of tennis this past week, and and there will be more, uh, I am sure. Um, what else? I mean, so it's a lot of tennis, a lot of inter- everyone's intermittent fasting this year. No one, no, everyone's intermittent fasting for we for love eighteen hours. Fasting. Yeah, yeah. I'm pushing myself up to twenty hours on some days. I'm really happy with it. Can I ask about a, a tennis adjacent sport that's taken Hollywood by storm? Is there anyone playing pickleball out in the Hamptons? Uh, no, because everyone here is trying to get exercise. Ah, there we go. Because pickleball is basically ping pong for people who don't want to run around and get sweaty. Mm. Uh, no, there's a big scene out here. I'm certainly not part there of it. There is a scene. There, there is, is a, a scene. Wow. There is a scene. Okay. Uh, I, I was worried you would say no that. No one I know. Okay. Yeah, I was worried that you'd say that. Um, and basically, if your lot's too small for to get zoned for a tennis court, you can put in a pickleball court. Wow. Okay. Does anyone want to have a lot too small for a tennis court? Is that really what you want in life? Well, yeah, if you want to be in the village, I suppose. I don't know. Pickleball is really not my I think I actually have really strong opinions about it. If you want to play something like that, paddle ball is a fantastic winter sport mm-hmm. uh, as a racket sport. Sure. Or just, just you know, racquetball or squash, the classic. The classics. It's hard. Is you know, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah wh- why invent a new sport where you can just play the old ones that we've always played? It's a bit novu, if you ask yeah. me. No. When I say a bit, I mean it's really novu. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it this way. The Maidstone Club does not have any pickleball courts. And nor it does never Devin. will. <laughs> yeah, nor does Devin. Um... <laughs> 
enough of that yeah so that, that that'll be the summer um you know there's some art things i'm I, i'm trying the schedule might not work i'm because tr- of these family things i'm trying to get out to montauk mm. today to Friend see of the pod, uh, max levi is having a great opening out at the ranch yeah it's, i mean they had an opening just a couple weeks ago for joe messer uh, mm. and obviously has a season-long exhibition of outdoor sculptures by uh legend frank stella mm-hmm. uh, who went and checked them out was in attendance uh, but he's a group show open this evening called infinite scroll not that into the name. Uh, featuring work by Yvette Megora, who I don't know, Maya Orga, David Saleh, Devin Troy Strother, who I really like, mm-hmm. uh, Julia Wachtel, and the great Allison Zuckerman, who, in fact, uh, the last time I flew to Aspen on a private jet was with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if I had the time, I would definitely be out there. I know you would, too. I think if you're out in the easternmost part of this wonderful Long Island Check it out for sure. The yeah, I, mean, is amazing. I, I think I, I told uh, Allison, who's a friend who I like very much, that I'm, if I can't make it tonight and it's, it's looking poor uh, due to my piss poor planning, I will try and get out there maybe Monday after. Yeah, yeah. That's... But uh, speaking of Montauk, you told me some very distressing news. Our favorite mudslide slinging bar out there, Liars Saloon, is under new management. And it it not got open. sold in the off season. It has been closed and the marina there closed. It was bought by a guy who's a, a recycling magnet from, uh, <laughs> as they call it, what do they call like the, the further away part of Long Island? They have a name for it out here. Anyway. Um, we don't need to know that. Uh, and he's bought that. He owns a couple other marinas in Montauk. Uh, so they haven't reopened it yet. Uh, maybe they will. That's uh, such horrible news. I used to go there with Montauk resident Lucian Smith and have the, some fun. We we went and I had my the first and last mudslide of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, my last as well. Um, but but it was an enjoyable time. That was a good day. It's not a great idea to mix like an insane amount of like chocolate fudge and ice cream with really really cheap vodka. It just doesn't do well for the it body. It didn't make my tummy feel so nice. <laughs> no, it's not good for you. I mean, I've never been a fan of the White Russian either. No, no, this is like that, but taken to like the extreme. This is old business, but because I get the the seven day a week Times paper delivery here, I had to see the um the print version of that terrible promo article about the Duke's Martini, and I got even more mad all over again <laughs> because I don't because I didn't read it closely enough when we talked shit about it before. There were some quotes. The guy who's the guy who's put this on the menu out there never even finished his Duke's Martini. He's like, oh, I was doing a lot of things. He's been once, and he had half a fucking martini. You schmuck. Okay, sorry. Again, we love the Chelsea Hotel. They were so kind to us. We just. Enjoy making fun of them for this one. Hotel seems nice. Maybe maybe a different F and B management is necessary though. Um, I'm looking forward to going to London and having a Duke's Martini though. I am too. I booked I booked up the booked up the flights. Ready mm. to go. Uh, for those who know, uh, you know, flights are really expensive right now. It's all about the day flight to London because the overnight flight it's not long enough to actually sleep on. This is true. Uh, and the day flight, like it's just you can jam out the emails all day long. You land in time for maybe a late dinner with a buddy or just to, to bed down. You're ready for sleep because you've stayed up really late. It's a perfect way to get in there. And if you don't want to book the live flat, which was running $17,000 uh, <laughs> when I priced it out uh, and want to book as I did, and this is rare, a premium economy, you don't want to do that for an overnight. No. So I'll do that for the day flight. Hopefully the upgrade will clear. I get some certificates in there. You mm-hmm. know, I am 1K, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so on United. So, uh, 
hopefully that'll work out. But even if it doesn't, that'll be relatively comfortable. Yeah, I, I think you'll be fine sending some emails for a few hours. I mean, London's just across the pond. It's not a very long yeah, flight. Yeah, but you know, we're into the sec because we're. It seems like tomorrow because we're into the, the almost the second week of August over here, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm getting a ton of dinner invites for September in New York. Also getting some dinner invites for London during freeze. It's all happening. Yeah, already. and Seoul. I mean, people are like, that's like that's mm-hmm. around the corner. I'm. I'm feeling more and more confident with my decision not to go and miss the last weekend of American summer. I I mean, I didn't really have a choice in the matter considering a baby. I can't really fly halfway around the world. I am definitely planning on going next year. I think it's going to be a real, real success out there. And I think that once people see it, um, maybe they'll decide to make the trip next year. Yeah, I mean, I wish, you know, if I had a client that was going, I would make an exception, but without that, it just didn't make sense. Speaking of of, of babies and giving birth to, to, to new endeavors, I think uh, the 8th of August is coming up, and everyone should run to their local newsstand to pick up a copy of Vanity Fair, right? It, it does hit newsstands on Monday in New York City, I think it'll sort of trickle out throughout the country. Yeah, because I realized that my my that. my issue is going to be delivered to my New York City address, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go and find it out here. Yeah. I'm very excited because I won't say what it's about, but from what I understand, that you have your first large scale print uh, piece in the magazine. Can we say that? Yeah, I don't, yeah, don't want to. I don't want to cross any that. boundaries uh, here. I I think that I don't want to give anything away, but it's 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 a really good story. It's a tasty one. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tasty one. <laughs> um, yeah. So if if. You're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday. Go to your newsstand and pick up the September issue of Vanity Fair. Yeah, we'll get into it on the next pod, whenever mm-hmm. that is. Uh, we should also say, because people like, ostensibly tune into this for Art World News uh, and and gossip, um, uh, we we made a very correct call uh, when it was announced that Max Holland's uh, contemporary, who was kind of the co-CEO or the CEO, was leaving the museum. And they're going to engage in an extensive search for his replacement. <laughs> I immediately called that Max will be taking over both positions and kind of uh, 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 consolidating his power at the mm-hmm. Metropolitan Museum, the world's greatest museum. The world's greatest museum. Uh, Mazel tov to, to Max Holland. Yeah, and Very it happen, well happened deserved. just as we called it would within <laughs> within ten days. I think um, that the, that search wasn't that uh, wasn't that. So it looks more and more like that was. I don't want to say a power struggle, but a power struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the right guy ended up on top. Indeed, indeed. Good friend of the pod. We're going to have to have him on. I know, oh, yeah. I know he'd love to do it. He's, he's a, I know he's a listener. He's a good friend of the pod. He'll come on soon. Yeah, and uh, that was it. There's been some other minor art world gossip, but it's beneath us, frankly. <laughs> What's beneath us? I don't know. I just yeah. I didn't take any notes. <laughs> uh, but we, everyone, I do really want everyone to uh, stay tuned. We're about to sit down with uh, one of the prime movers and shakers in the art world, Mark glimpser of the pace gallery it's going to be incredible stick around it's just an incredible episode of note of NAP. I mean, we're not going there right now but it'll it, 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 when you listen to when this it'll li- be just after this little break we're gonna have to probably if we come with some questions he's like a serious guy which is a serious, serious guy which have some questions all right well we have to write those uh and then until then we'll be back live and in person in september yeah and but we'll do some we'll do some remotes uh, between now and then as, as, as schedule allows between my busy tennis and your busy breastfeeding schedule yes exactly All i right. use a bottle not, it's not <laughs> actually my breast oh you can duct tape well and we'll get into it off pod no one else wants to hear that uh thanks for listening and stay tuned for mark glimpshire right after this All right, welcome back to Nota Bene. 
I'm joined by Mark Limsher, the head honcho of the Pace Galleries. Mm, he has that, a fancier title, but no, I didn't write it down. No, that's on my card. That's on is my it card. on card? Head I like honcho that. is what I have printed on the card. Uh, we're coming to you from points east, well south of the highway. And uh, just this past weekend out here, you guys opened in your East Hampton Gallery a show by Kiki Smith. And it was, I believe, the 20th show by the artist since she joined the gallery. Is that right? In, in 1994. 1994. Yes. If my notes are correct, yeah, yeah, that is correct. Incredible, that is that's correct. incredible. I haven't seen it yet, but I did see some images. It seems exceptional. It is exceptional. What's it, it like to work with someone that has such a grand vision, like out here in a different type of space and a different type of scale? Um, I love the scale of these two, what I'm calling COVID galleries. Okay, um, East Hampton is like I don't. 1100 square feet palm beach is like 600 square feet yeah i mean it's, it's palm beach is smaller than my first new york city it's apartment. a bathing suit store yeah. okay in the mini mall sorry samantha perry that's what it is it's, it's yeah i mean one of the fancier mini it's malls the in, america, mini mall in america okay don't get me wrong you can get a jamba juice and then uh, oh my god yes and um but these but it <laughs> kiki said to me if i could just have work at a place like this i could do a show every year otherwise you know getting kiki to do a show is kind of a decade-long process um uh, which is just what kiki's like uh, a big huge show and you know a grand scale um and giving the artists these chances to do these intimate exhibitions uh, maybe the best part of this program of these small galleries. I mean, it it's it's definitely the reason to keep going. Um, it, you know, these these little galleries um, were super active, uh, or the East Hampton Gallery was super active during COVID. Um, it's not as you know intense and absolutely necessary as it was, um, but it does give this. Very relaxed, very intimate opportunity to the artists, and it gives us a chance to, you know, hang out with them out here. Yeah, I mean, that's I've been thinking not just about you guys, but in general, these kind of resort area location galleries, Aspen, Palm Beach. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Whether yeah, well, it seemed like yeah. it, w- it was very necessary. Uh, summer of 2020, yeah. a little bit less so, but still, uh, 21 people were were out here and seemed to be want to engage because they hadn't seen people, hadn't seen things in real life. This is collectors, I mean, or or, or viewers. And so it was important to them and they were making an effort. I see that less now, but I see if I were a gallerist, it's almost like one of the reasons that fairs are done is because it's a reason to go to your artists and say, we have this opportunity right. and to be able to get some work out of them, right. to put it in the most crass terms that, that yes. the no, public no, can correct. see and that you can correct. sell. Absolutely. And, um, and it's not an overwhelming amount of work. Um, but here's the problem with the art business. Everything is interesting. Okay. And doing everything as much as I would like that to be possible, it is not. So, um, (laughs) you do have to make some choices. Um, and, um, I will admit that your kind of summer is a little less of a break when you have a gallery around the corner. 
Well, but also for for clients or for people like me that are acting as kind of a firewall on behalf of clients. Yes. You know, the emails used to slow down the offers, the things you had to go see, the things you had to pay attention to. And it's really um, relentless now. And I think especially for end users, it can feel. I know for me, I just turn the nozzle way down. It has to be really, really exceptional for me to call someone on the boat in July and be like, you've got to check. You've got to take a look at this. I think the relentlessness of it is counterproductive. Um, I think that, you know, if you're going to be community based, you have to be community based. If you're, if your intention with opening many, many galleries is to just overload a small group of people, um, that's not, that's not a great story. Um, well, but that brings me to something I wanted to ask you down the line, but it's a really nice segue is that. You know, you guys have, uh, I don't have my notes open, but a bunch of spaces around the world. Yeah. Um, clearly uh, a focus on Asia now, especially Korea. We're opening right. your second location in Seoul. Um, you guys are some of the first in Beijing. But in general, beyond just that geography, how do you go about developing new people? I mean, there's only so many people that are buying high quality, real, as I would term it, art. How are you, are you still selling mostly the same people? Or do you have an active program that's out developing new clientele and, and that kind of without giving away the secret sauce, kind of how do you approach that? No, I think that, um, I mean, the entire phenomenon of the art world right now is based on the fact that there are so many new people. Um, if that's not true, then the art world is, is radically overbuilt. And I don't think that's the case. I think that... Um, there are enormous numbers of new people. The structure of the art market was built for a very small group. So there's, a, there's an adaptation um, moment here that um, you know, people are recognizing as, oh my God, there's so much change going on. Um, from everything from the economics to the way you represent an artist to the way you present exhibitions... Um, is it still adapted to an old world, which was a closed group of collectors, all who knew each other, um, versus an ever-growing group of people who want to be involved in art, a growing group of people with the capacity to collect art? It's not news. I mean, there's a reason that galleries have been growing. The number of artists we recognize as important has been growing. That's because... The number of people who are interested is growing. And the number of people who can afford to be interested. And the number of people who can afford to collect has been growing. And those are those two groups intersect. The group of people who are interested and the group of people who can collect. And that will that will beg the question um, of what what it means. Um, the fact that only a few people were interested actually led to the price structure of the art world, right? Um, Very few artists, very few collectors, everything ultra rare. Um, You know, as it's, it's still ultra rare, but the number, it's undeniable that the number of artists and the number of collectors is growing, which is growing faster. Um, Clearly, it's the number of collectors, if you look at the price of art, um, that's growing faster. But 
Um, but still, if you go to Kampala, okay, or go to Accra, right? Um, there's a there's a whole world of artists there. Um, they're not. Are they just being bought outside of Ghana? Are they going to be collected inside of Ghana? You know, we already saw this movie in China, right? We had a bunch of young artists emerge. They were children of the Cultural Revolution. They came out. They sold art only out in the world. Then suddenly the art was only sold inside China. The, the collector base grew in China. The collectors in China, then their appetites changed and became more global. It's a very complex landscape. There's no yeah, question. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a living, breathing organism. But it is growing and changing. And you definitely are not going to figure it out by just sitting here in Sagaponic. Yeah, it's not going to... That's for sure. It's not going to come to you. No. Um, no. Well, but I mean, one of the great things about both of our jobs in different ways is that it rewards curiosity right. about the world, uh, about how artists view the world and how they see it, wanting to see the world through right. their eyes a little bit, but just also at writ large about traveling and seeing different things and trying to understand. And I think we're really lucky in that that is like yeah. a core element of what we do. And if we're not at least trying to figure it out, no matter exactly. where we are, um, we're sort of doing it wrong. Um, kind of focusing a little bit more on, I won't say the real estate, but on the focus, you did just open or about to open your second space in Seoul. Um, is that true? Slight correction. Okay, no, please. So we opened in Seoul like five years ago in a little space on the fifth floor above the Volkswagen dealership, okay? And um, I think Emmanuel Paritan was there, but uh, the Korean gallery is a very powerful system. Um, And they've existed for a very long time. Um, Korean collecting is you know, a very mature community. Um, We moved in there um, because we could sense that there was an interest in going beyond just the maybe seven galleries, that there there was an interest on the part of younger collectors to have more direct contact with some of the international galleries. Um, It was so successful um, primarily because our team there is so great, led by young Julie, who, who Lung Lin, our head of Asia, um, you know, introduced us to and found. Um, And because of the collectors and because of our artists, um, Western artists, European artists' interest in being there, um, and of course our interest in the artists who are there. Um, we had that little space that was definitely not enough, and we moved into a building across the street, um, which we just progressively taken over all the spaces in that building to make a kind of mini campus. Um, so what we're opening is. Um, we opened our two floors um, of gallery spaces. Now we are taking over another space to be a 
primarily kind of an art and tech lab, although it could also be a sculpture space on the ground floor. And um, oh, we're also opening a tea house um, in in um, cooperation with um, the Amore Pacific people who have this amazing tea house. That's cool. Awesome I'm into that. Tea house. And th that's where we're going to show multiples and prints and things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and have events. And then we'll also take over the courtyard as a, as a sculpture space. I mean, uh, Korea's been at the forefront of art and technology for a really long time. Uh -huh. uh, the Samsung Corporation was always a really strong funder of yep. new initiatives in that space. And I'm sure others that I don't know about. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of heavy industries. Like a few key artists came out of there in the early part of yep. uh, the twenty the, the t early part of this century. Right. Um, last decade. Um, so it's really interesting. What kind of what kind of will it be like an R and D lab or will it be? No, it's a it's an exhibition space. Okay. It's an exhibition space, but it is very equipped. Um, to, as a, uh, you know, as I, as I have said many times, you know, artists in the 21st century don't just need a white cube. They need a black box. And so this is our black box. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you've spent a fair amount of time there and you'll be going over for, for free, the initial, the inaugural freeze. Yeah. I love it there. It's very cool. Um, Korea is an amazing history, you know, amazing people. Again, you know, very um, strong collecting history and art making history. I mean, great, great collecting families, very sophisticated. Those galleries are super sophisticated on the financial level. I know when I was working in an auction house, they were often involved in, in the guarantee and irrevocable bid game um, for certain types of works. Oh, um, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal yeah. over there. It's, yeah, our, it's, really, it's our really second cool. biggest. Now, um, as it's an, our second biggest. As an gallery. outsider, but who spent a lot of time there with a bunch of people maybe headed over there at the end of this month, uh -huh. early next, uh, what's the right hotel? Where do we need to stay? The Sheila Hotel is the right hotel. That's the right hotel. What can I say? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I need to know these um, things. That is another um, owned by owned by the Lee family as well, the Samsung family. Um, the Hyatt's very cool, actually. I was looking at the Hyatt. That seemed like that might be Hyatt's in my good. wheelhouse. They're, they're kind of close to each other. Okay. Um, I am very partial to the Itawan neighborhood where we are. Our building is obviously adjacent to the Liam, um, but um, it's a kind of like the whole the whole city's amazing. It's a city of ten million people, size of London. Yeah, I've never been. I yeah. can't. I can't I mean, wait to. No, yeah. you know, it's just like like I'm really into the culture, the you food. I cannot I'm... believe it. It's just you know, you get to a place like that and you say to yourself, you know. How lucky can we possibly be to be able to function a place like this? Is there the possibility of Seoul supplanting Hong Kong as the as the entry point for Western galleries into the Asia Pacific region, or it'll be additive as opposed to anything else? Hong Kong has, um, you know, a, a obviously lots of problems, but it has this. Switzerland-like function to it. Um, it is a place where everybody from Asia can kind of come and meet. Um, so in 
other parts of Asia, it's it's a challenge for them to be that kind of international meeting place. Um, Seoul definitely has the potential to do that. Um, and it definitely, you know, it definitely presents an alternative um, to to Hong Kong, uh, which, you know, it's is very attractive. Yeah, because listen, I, I love Hong Kong. Everybody but, loves Hong Kong. But, but I love the Hong Kong of like 10 plus, five I plus mean, years ago, the, maybe. What the, you know. I mean, it's literally one of my favorite cities. The first time I went there, I felt like I'd entered Everybody. the future. It the was like incredible. so amazing, yeah. but look what's happening. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? Uh, I mean, that's what spurns the so, question. So I'm looking and, for a replacement for myself personally. Almost. And it's like, you know, believe me, Seoul and Tokyo are looking at that, you know, very excitedly to replace that destination because there's just not that many places you can go. When you're going to Asia, you know, you need a landing pad. And that was always Hong Kong for people. Um, But, you know, it's just global, you know, politicians... I always say, should watch the art world. You know, when we start to, when we start to like, when we start to say like, eh, we're not coming, you should worry. It's a bellwether. We, you we, should worry. It's called the avant-garde okay? for a reason. That's right. You should worry. When we start like, we, man, we still love going to Moscow. We went twice a year. You know? Take note when the art world is like, eh, well, I mean, to a lesser degree, and, and and COVID sort of complicated our ability to read this situation, but yes. it seemed like for a minute there was something of a turn from London as one of the historic art world hubs, uh, with another fantastic city that I love. But post-Brexit, you began to see some galleries beginning to maybe choose larger spaces in Paris. Um, oh, yeah. And, but I think COVID complicated our ability to see if that is going to follow through. I think it's going to take another few years to understand that. Paris is on fire. Yeah, it's incredible to be it's there. It's amazing. It's just amazing to be there. And I've always been a Mayfair guy, but like, it's just, it feels empty. It doesn't feel the same. I mean, I know you guys just did open uh, a, a large space lo- there. I love London. Yeah. I think London's just fine. Huh. It's just, um, just no one should underestimate how much room there is for growth for the impact of art. And, um, you know, for a whole host of reasons, which could definitely be the grist for a hundred, you know, doctoral dissertations. Um, the visual arts are taking, you know, a much more central role in all, you know, societies all over the world. And, um, you know, every one of the other arts with an S is very mature, very broadly grown out world. You know, how many people are engaged in the music world? Billions. The film world, billions. Um, The growth potential for our world, uh, no one should underestimate it, for better and for worse. Yeah, I mean, and its impact on cities. Oh my God, just for better and for worse. You know, but it is the growth potential. You won't stop it. You know, no one will stop it from growing. You know, no one could stop music from becoming 
a global phenomenon after having been a very narrow aristocratic world that moved into a very narrow um, avant-garde world. And then it went, you had a little technology and, and, and the sophistication, growing sophistication of the world, and suddenly it's billions of people. Well, the the growing um, distrib- the change in distribution channels yeah. from first over the air radio, right, uh, so that anyone has access to it. The rise of right. FM and rock and roll music, and then the rise of of first the record that individual consumers right. could make individual choices and listen to what they want and what they want. And then through today, we have you know I don't know a billion songs available on my yeah. phone right now. Yeah. Um, and how will I mean? We also see technology beginning. If not change, impact art, and at least we're beginning to grapple. And s- serious people are thinking seriously about how visual art operates in a world of, that's completely networked. Um, obviously, you've been supportive of NFTs, non fungible tokens, in a way, or, or you've followed your artist's interest in these things. Hundred percent, right? Um, and even some artists that weren't necessarily part of the gallery stable that you wanted to help support. Absolutely. You guys opened a, a marketplace, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we have a de- we have a kind of development team for nfts um to you know our artists are interested we get them the resources they need to um you know try something and then yes we then have a marketplace we have a platform um but that platform is as much for us to understand the impact of web3 on art as to you know to to commercialize it yeah um so it's it's really a team it's really about devoting a team of people um to the exploration of it um that you know i think is essential i'm sure you know nfts well the way we see them now is transitional as with all new technologies um a lot of what we see as front and center becomes invisible background um, in ways that is a little very hard to to gauge right now. But, you know, we're we're very committed to digital art and have been for a very long time. Yeah, and if you're not in it, it can blindside you. You won't be able you to... Won't you won't understand be, you won't be, it or, or, or be able to help shape maybe what yeah, it is it, with When the artist. answer was like, this is not art. I mean, it's kind of like saying it's it's better to see, you know when people in our our world and our business said, well, that's not art. They were really saying like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> it's too hard already. I can't deal with something new. All right, can't deal with something new. You know, famous last words. Well, I know for myself personally, yeah. I had to make a conscious choice to yeah. not do that because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't yeah. want something new. But I'd say, what is it? It's if, all right. If I, lo- if I love art and contemporary art right. and that's exploring what is possible in the world, yeah. I should probably understand what this is and and, and As soon as people out. say it's not art, pretty good to pay attention yeah, to exactly. whatever they say exactly. is not art. You know, oh, those are just doodles. This is what Dubuffet taught us. Oh, uh, good reference point. Yeah. Have you, for your personal collection outside of the gallery or anything, uh, acquired any NFTs? I have a few. Okay. I have a few. Um, I, I, I got nerves, man. I got chromey squiggles. <laughs> Do you, oh, really? Adam, <laughs> um, but Adam, I, I'm a, I, I own a, a bunch of different art blocks, a couple of different art blocks works. You know, we're obviously very, we're pretty much involved with, with them. That that's a really good connection. I feel like 
we share kind of principles of what's interesting. Um, you know, and I don't think there's anything, I think it's great to own a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape or whatever it is. It's all fun. It's all, you know, it's all, it's all okay. You don't want to yuck like, anyone to yell down. as I tell you know, my kids. Calm down. <laughs> People used to say to me, like, what's an NFT? And now they're like, what's an NFT? You know, well, I, <laughs> I went I, from I, scorn I, to worry that I, they're missing I, out on I'm something. on the record of making fun of, of a couple and, of those that you just mentioned. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, I also make fun of Alec Monopoly all the time, even though I'm fascinated yeah. by him. You know, but it's a continuum. Absolutely. It's all, like, it's, it, 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 there's fun things that are not what we would consider art that, that are okay. Well, I think one of the nicey changes, not just NFTs, but the art world in general and perhaps it's about the broadening of the buyers and the amount of artists in general, not buyers, collectors, um, is that sometimes we're not taking ourselves quite so seriously yeah. anymore, which I think in the in the 90s, that was, uh, that was kind of the vibe. Yeah. People love to collect things, okay? Collecting is a human trait. Um, when collecting becomes, you know, when that urge to collect combines with, like the highest pursuit of art making, it's special for sure. It's something very special. Um, you know, but you just have to, you just have to look for that highest pursuit of artists. And when, you know, look, kids are gonna grow up surrounded by digital tools. There are kids who are destined to be great artists and there's a lot of them who are going to use those tools to make their art. Uh, there's just too much power and flexibility and, and capacity in those tools for young, incredibly gifted, creative minds to not cleave to them. You know, they're going to. So you better get familiar with it. You know, when the first hidden type was made, I'm sure people looked at it like, what the hell is that? Like, that's cool. That's well, witchcraft. You know, it's right. <laughs> that's witchcraft. Um, and you could barely see it. And, you know, by the Civil War, there were intelligent people who were realizing that photography was going to change everything. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that artists as the rise of photography really hit in the end of the 19th century, that artists started realizing, man, we better broaden our, the way we think about what we do <laughs> past just, you know, representing reality. We may be out of a job here if we don't. And um, so it takes a while to see the impact of a new technology on the way art is made. Yeah, but I think can also, like you just said, it can be reactive, but in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of painting of the last 20 years, which I think is actually in a really interesting moment, because we're in an age where not just can you copy something once and lose a little bit of resolution and, and more and more of photocopy right. and analog. You can take an original of something, copy it a billion times, and the billionth and the first iteration exactly have the same. same amount of fidelity. Yes. So I think painting becomes almost, to me at least, more interesting, something that, that can't be duplicated. Right. Um, and, and the physical human experience of looking and standing in front of something that another human created, right. um, which isn't to take away from any digital practitioners, no. but for me it just actually ends up elevating and makes, it makes yes. artists need to think about yes. why they're painting. Absolutely. 
um, in an interesting way. Um, speaking of young people and young creative people, I know you took some time uh, uh, as your career evolved and developed and, and was a, a science teacher for a couple of years, right? I Is was. Is that true? I was. What age group? Uh, second to fifth grade. Are there any lessons that you learned in that process and in that part of your life that, that, that play through today that you find yourself a leaning on? A lot on? of lessons. If you can... Um, catch the imagination, capture the imagination of an eight-year-old, um, you are, your communication skills, um, are in a good place. <laughs> um, the trying to translate, um, science, um, or art or anything into, um, a form that allows, um, a young person to assimilate something deeper than just surface information, assimilate um, the discovery of a pattern or a system um, or the nature of reality. If you can get that, if you can communicate that to a young person, um, then you really understand it yourself. Um, it is easy to communicate between adults and no one really knows what they're talking about. And no one will admit that they don't know. No understand. one will admit, but you can signal, you know, that you, 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 you can signal as a, a term that's being used now, um, that you're aware of this information or that information, but you can't do that with a little kid. You, uh, you lose their attention immediately. Um, say, yeah, you know, um, you know, we sent a rocket to the moon. Okay. For a little kid, like, what does that mean to the moon? You know, what is time and distance and space? And, um, you have to really understand what it means. And I think that, um, you know, I'm lucky cause I have so many kids. <laughs> so I've been communicating with them for so many, I, my, my kids go from age 32 to age four and everything in between. Um, so I'm always learning how to communicate from them. And I've always had, you know, a, a real interest in, in, in education, um, for that reason. Um, oh, that, that was a beautiful answer because I was thinking of, you know, taking both of my kids to usually to auction previews or to galleries yeah. and like the things they're drawn to are often the things that I'm drawn to too, but they're trying to understand why they are. Yeah. I mean, if, um, if it, and of, seeing the look of wonder, sometimes yeah. or the look of complete boredom, something that I've always right. thought is I good. Mean, uh, my, and they just like zip and pass it. Like, Nope, I'm done. Yeah. My kids, my kids, uh, I was very lucky because of all the time I got to spend with Agnes Martin in my life. And so did my kids. Oh, wow. And you know, when I was a kid, I mean, not that young when my father, you know, I was, I guess I was probably 11 or 12 when my father started working with Agnes Martin. So, you know, if you can make it clear to, if you can cause a child to see what Agnes was doing and why that was so important, um, you know, yeah, then you have, then you have done something yeah. you know, special. Yeah. And she was able to do that. Agnes was amazing uh, talking to kids. And, um, you know, a, a, a little kid can will definitely just walk past an Agnes Martin in the museum um, unless you help remove the scales from their eyes, you know. 
That's beautiful. I mean, and that's why, to me at least, museums are so important because they're yeah. supposed to give you some tools to allow yeah. uh, kids. And even because ad- adults will also walk right by an Agnes Martin. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, when I worked in a museum, that was always the fine line of writing wall labels that would give people just the bare information, not to interpret right. it for them and not to use terrible right. bad art speak, but to right. give them enough to be like, oh, that's right. what's going on here. Because what, right. what I want with art is to have that, oh, wow, movement where the world opens yes. up for me like a sense of purity and like a, a, a renewed right. understanding or a broadened understanding. And that's a combination of connecting to the art and to the artist. Um, connecting to that human being that devoted their life to that pursuit um, obviously is part and parcel of everything that we do. And... Um, I mean that's that's definitely the the art gallery as an entity is definitely changing. And where is its value? You know, its value was that here was a person who could communicate with artists and communicate with these rich folks. And they would never there was no connection between them without that person. That's not true anymore. There's no there there's plenty of connection between the artists and the collectors and everybody knows each other and everybody's, you know, um, able to communicate the, the real value of the gallery is ultimately storytelling. And it isn't about having the power to enforce exclusivity and which is also fading fast. You know, increase, your power increase comes transparency from, in the world. Your, yeah, your power away. comes from your added value. Your added value is that thing we were talking about with the kids in second grade science class. Oh, yeah, and I think your galleries, at least I can think speak most clearly about the New York City gallery, this Chelsea gallery, the, yeah. the, the main gallery, where it becomes a center and has space for performance, and it really becomes more of a part of a community as opposed to simply a, a space for the delay, display Absolutely. of kind of um, precious objects. Um, I do want to wrap it up because it's a beautiful day, and I know we both have things to do. Um, other than running the gallery out here, I know you must have a, a tiny itty bit of downtime between running all the galleries. Like what? What do you? What? What? What's your? What's your thing out here? Like I know your parents. I remember talking to Millie once about you get, they were big sailors and they kind of had small boats all the way yes, up over the years. Yes. Are you a sailor as well? I'm a, I am a big sailor, um, although I am retired. <laughs> I was. I spent um, six years um, racing forty foot sailboats, campaigning all over the world. Yeah. It was another job. Couldn't do it. I will get back to it one of these days. Well, maybe when the youngest it. kid goes to college. Exactly. Like that's when you, that's exactly. When you're I'll be about 80. Um, but um, I, and, and I, I do sail as much as I possibly can. Um, but um, I have an archery range right over there. And um, that is right now, you know, besides actual meditation, which I do... Um, 20 minutes twice a day um that's my that's my kind of other kind of meditation i do spend i do spend some time out there on the archery incredible range. i mean i know nothing about that but i imagine it for i do not to be a fairly meditative thing because you must need to be of quiet mind and Absolutely. body in order to do that correctly Absolutely. i would think yeah oh wow that's brilliant um well thanks mark thanks for taking the time on a my beautiful pleasure. sunny day my in the pleasure. summer it was great to have you down yeah. we'll, we'll have to do it again sometime with Nate's we around. definitely will all right thanks man i Thank appreciate you. it that okay. is it note to bene out 
Twenty.